Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. Hey, hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Hope Church. And we're so glad that you're here today. My name is Tim, if we haven't met yet. And um, I get the opportunity to open up the Bible with you. No small task. Please pray for me uh, as we journey through the scriptures here today. And uh, <clears throat> I'm so excited to be talking with you. And um, wait, what, what's that? What, 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 the shirt I'm wearing? What, what, are you, what are you asking about? Oh, okay. All right, all right. Well, I'll tell you then. I'll tell you then, since you're pressing me about my shirt. Um, so this is the official Kids Camp t-shirt for this summer. And so, yeah, woo. Um, so, so, yeah, so I, I, there's the big logo on the back, right? There's the big logo. We got the small logo here. And so if you don't know Kids Camp, uh, for years and years and years and years and years and years and years, uh, the Coastlands Church has run an unbelievable kids program in the summer. It's legendary, uh, and um, and we are now partnered with the Coastlands. And so, for the first time in a couple few years, um, we are uh, we're doing Coastlands is doing a kids camp, and Hope is partnered with them in it. And so, um, as you walk out here today, in fact, Justin will tell you at the end of our time together about how you could get connected to kids camp. Uh, as a volunteer, but certainly if you have kids, uh, we would love to have them be involved as well. And so these are the t-shirts that the kids will get, but also the volunteers will get as well as part of that. And so we'd love to have you be a part of what God is doing as we sort of release the presence of God into uh, the next generation. We really, really value the next generation and we wanna pour into them. And so we have an Adventure Kids Camp set up for them. It's going to be amazing. It's later this month. And uh, Justin will tell you more details, and then you'll see it on your way out as well. And so we just want to do our, our bit here to promote this morning, um, investing into the next generation. And so uh, we hope you guys will get involved. So if you're online, you can go right to our website, discoverhope.church, and Kids Camp is right there, and you can see all the stuff everybody else has seen here. So, um, so anyway... We're excited. We're excited this morning, not just because we get to uh, point you in the direction of things like kids camp, some valuable things making a difference in the lives of people, but we get to jump into the scriptures here this morning and see what God has to say about some real life stuff. And uh, I don't know about you, but when I come to a church service or I watch one online or if you're out on the patio, I, I want some like some real stuff. Right. Like I, and I don't want something so high and lofty that it, it's it's even if I can understand it, it's just high and lofty. Right. Like I, I want something that God is going to use to to meet me right where I am in my life. And I think that's what's going to happen here today. We're in a, a message series called Along the Way, and we're looking at the, the missionary journeys of a guy named Paul. If you haven't been with us. Uh, this guy named Paul was called by God to take the message of the love of Jesus to the, all of the non-Jewish people around the world in his day and age. This is first century um, time frame. And so Paul walked through the earth, um, the known earth, and he, he, he brought the love of Jesus with him. He told his story. 
And if you were here last Sunday, you might remember that we talked about telling your story. Um, every single one of us has a story to tell. And today we're going to watch as Paul tries not once, not twice, but it takes him three times to be able to tell his story. And in the middle of that, um, he's in this place where he's called to tell his story by God. He, he knows he's supposed to tell his story, but he just can't tell his story. And we're going to see why. And he's in this place, this like this middle ground. Have you ever been in a middle place? Like, like somewhere where you want to get to, but you're not quite there yet? If you've ever traveled with kids, you know what I'm talking about, right? You know what I'm talking about. You're going to a place and you're like, please, God, help us get there as quickly as possible. Um, this is where Paul is, and we're going to explore this just a little bit. But um, how many of you, when you were kids, how many of you had posters on your walls? Anybody in here? Yeah, yeah. What did you have posters of? Blink-182. Blink-182. All right, so we've got some musicians, some bands. Who else? Who else? What's that? Surfers, okay, surfers. I, I, I heard incorrectly the first time, and I thought, wow, that's not what I was expecting. Surfers, I'm glad you, you clarified that. Surfers, yeah, surfers, right? Um, pro athletes, bands, anybody have any, anything other than those two things? Whoa, travel posters, we got, okay, we had all kinds of answers in that one, yeah. So uh, when I was a kid, I had a poster of this on my wall. Take a look at this. Yeah, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And then it was gone. Yeah, that's pretty much how it was in my life. Like it was, yeah, it was in there. No, this is the Lamborghini Countach. Yeah, everybody knows that. And um, back when I had posters on my walls, which, which, which would have been the 80s for me, um, this was, this, I had this up on my wall, this Lamborghini Countach. This, this was it right here. When you talk about, about supercars, you know, um, elite cars, you know, almost untouchable cars back in the day. This was it. This was the top of uh, top of the heap here. Anybody in here ever own a Lamborghini Countach? Yeah, because if you did, I want to hang out with you. Uh, you're my new best friend. And this, so this was up on my wall, right? Like I looked at this all the time. Every day I looked at this thing and I dreamed about it and I looked at the like all the things and I was just like, oh, I could picture myself in it and the going doors and the, oh man, I love the Lamborghini Countach. Now I went to go get my, my first car and um, I did not get a Lamborghini Countach. In fact, this, this is what my first car was right here. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's a Ford Escort right there, you guys. That's not just any Ford Escort, though. That's the two-door hatchback. You know what I'm talking about? The hatchback. That was like an upgrade. You got to upgrade when you got the hatchback. Like, you were riding in style. I don't know why it was an upgrade. I, I don't know why a hatchback. Why is a hatchback an upgrade over just a normal trunk door that opens up? I don't, you can put your surfboard in there maybe, yeah, but you're not fitting it in a, well, maybe a shortboard, right? But this is what my car, and so my car, my Ford Escort had a, a really great feature. I had an upgrade on mine. Um, you didn't actually need a key to start my Ford Escort. 
Yeah, so I would mess with my friends who had never been in it before, and I would start it up like normal, like with my key. And then, and then as I'm driving, I would pull the key out and hand it to my friend and be like, hey, can you hold on to this man? Make sure I don't forget to take this with me. And they, you'd see the look on their face like, what? What's happening? Is this car going to keep you know, running? And, um, and so it started with a screwdriver, and then eventually it, 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 I didn't even need the screwdriver. I just like turned the ignition piece without anything and just like started right up. Yeah, yeah. Because nobody was trying to steal a Ford Escort. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that wasn't like I, I, you know, nobody was stealing a Ford Escort. How many of you know that the difference between our expectations, our hopes and our dreams is often very different than our reality? Yep. And if, and if you're, if you're, in a, if you're uh, alive and kicking here and to the sound of my voice, you have experienced this gap, right? This gap that we find ourselves in on a regular basis, it seems like, right? I mean, when you think about it, the majority of our lives is lived in the gap. The majority. We, we, we oftentimes have these expectations and hopes and dreams that uh, maybe are good and they're healthy and they're wholesome, um, but we often are working our way toward them, right? As opposed to constantly living in a state where we, where we have achieved them. And our reality oftentimes is very different from our expectations. And we've experienced this with our relationships, unfortunately. We've experienced this with our finances, with our cars, you know, with, with, with daily life. In fact, for us, aren't we, isn't it interesting, we're in this time where, look back over the last like three years. So three or four years ago, would you have in any way predicted what would be coming in the next three years? Like how many of you, your, your expectation was that you'd spend like, like years of your life wearing a mask on your face, right? Moving about society, you know? Our reality over these last few years hasn't matched up. And the longer we go through life, the more that we experience this truth that we live in the gap. This is where we live. Now, there's good news. And the truth that we're going to be exploring here today is that God is with us in the gap. And when we find ourselves, which we do regularly, in the gap, we know that God is with us. And God might just have us consider today that there is more purpose in the gap than, than we think. That the gap times in our lives are not just the times where we sort of grit our teeth and we're like, God, just help me get through it. I just got to get through it. And, and, and then eventually we get through it and we're like, oh, okay. You know, I can kind of, you know, relax or go about my business. God would have us to believe that he is with us in the gap and that he has great purpose in the gap. And that if the majority of our life is spent in this place, then we might as well look at it from a different way and not see it as a necessary evil leading from one good thing to another good thing, but that there is beauty and wholeness and redemption and fullness in the gap. Yeah. Right? All right. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 23 today. In fact, we're covering 23, 24, 25, and 26 today. And you're like, what? 
is happening. I've heard you teach, Tim, like, like four verses, and we're here for like an hour. Like, you, we need to, no, 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 we're going we're gonna to summarize some of that. And um, in fact, the last that we left Paul, leading into chapter 23, what had happened was that Paul had an opportunity to tell his story. And in fact, he went through great, great, great trouble, great struggle to get to the point of telling his story. He was elsewhere in the world and believed that God was calling him to tell his story in Jerusalem to his own people, to the Jewish people. And so through great trouble, he traveled to Jerusalem. He gets to Jerusalem. He tells his story, or he starts to tell his story, right? He starts to tell his story, and there's a riot that breaks out. And so the Roman guards pull him out of the riot and put him in jail for his own safety, but also he's in jail, right? And so here's Paul, his expectation, his hope, his calling from God is, I'm going to go to that place and I'm going to tell my story and it's going to be amazing. Like so many other times, right? He, he would tell, he, like he could visualize it. He knew Jerusalem. He could see himself standing there, maybe even at the temple, maybe even in Solomon's colonnade, the porch, the great porch of Solomon. He could see telling his story and seeing Jewish people, his people, place their faith in Jesus as Messiah, Yeshua. Right? Like he could see it. And then he's not doing that, he's in jail. He didn't even get to get through his story, and now he's sitting in jail. This is where we pick up chapter 23. And as we turn the page into chapter 23, here's what happens. As he's in that jail, he gets the opportunity then to present his story to the next level up. So at this point, he tried to tell his story to the, to the common people at the temple. Didn't work, so he got put in jail. Then he appeals to be able to tell his story to the Sanhedrin, which is the Jewish governing group, right? This is, a, this is a group of various sects of Judaism, and they came together in like a council, and they provided leadership to all of the Jewish people. So now he gets bumped up. All right, okay, all right, here we go. Like, I get bumped up to the next level. So he goes to tell his story to the Sanhedrin, and Paul uses a debate tactic. There's two primary groups, and he, he pits one against the other, and they start fighting. And once again, in the middle of his story, Paul gets pulled out and put back in prison because violence erupts. So now for the second time, Paul not only doesn't get to tell his story, but he's in prison and he's probably there of his own doing this time. Um, so it was Paul's choice to use that tactic. He decided, I'm going to try to pit this group against this group and try to get them arguing with each other and sort of distracted. And then I'll be able to tell my story. And it sort of backfired for Paul. Now, we, now a lot of times we don't read that story like that. But many scholars believe that this is what happened, that Paul made a bad decision. It's possible. Like, like Paul doesn't equal perfect, right? Um, Paul made bad choices just like you and I do. 
And likely, he probably went down a road that he, he probably, it just backfired on him and it wasn't the greatest decision of all time. How many of y'all are in a gap season or you've experienced a gap that was at your own hand? You are the cause of the gap that you're in. I know I've been there way too many times than I want to admit. And so here's Paul. Twice he's tried to tell his story at great sacrifice. Maybe he made a questionable decision that landed him in prison the second time. And he's now just sitting in a dark, smelly prison, wondering what happened to his expectations, his hopes, his dreams of being able to tell the story. All he wanted to do was tell the story of Jesus to this group of people, right? And right in the middle of it, here's what happened. We're going to read this. You'll see it up here on the screen. In Acts 23, verse 11, it says this. The following night while Paul is in prison, the Lord, Jesus, Jesus stood next to Paul, and he said, take courage, As you have testified about me here in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. So here's Paul. Picture this with me. Paul is sitting in prison, and it's it's horrible. It's horrible. You know, he's chained up to some other people. You know, he's sitting. They didn't have bathrooms in prisons. So basically, you just went to the bathroom, and then eventually they would come through and sort of like scoop, you know, scoop it up or clean it up as best, you know. But that wasn't, it wasn't like you went to a place and used the bathroom. You just used the bathroom right in whatever was your cell. So Paul's in this place. It's not good. And he's frustrated. And his, his reality is very different than, than his expectations, his hopes and his dreams, and even what he considered to be his calling. It's not looking anything like that. And all of a sudden, in the middle of it, Jesus shows up, physically shows up, and says, Paul, I know you're down. I know you might even be feeling like some of this is your own doing. It's your own fault. But I want you to take courage as you've partially told your story here in Jerusalem, I have a purpose for you, and I need you and want you and have called you to tell your story in Rome. I want you to go up. So he was at the common people the first time, the Sanhedrin the next time. He's going to go up another level and ultimately to the ultimate level where he's going to get to tell his story to Caesar, the leader of the world. How many of you are in a place right now where the most beautiful thing that you can possibly hear is that Jesus is with you in the gap, whatever that gap is, and he is saying, take courage. I see you. I'm with you. I have purpose for you. I have purpose in your gap. What you feel like is failure, what you feel like is is someone doing something to you that's put you in a place where you are right now, where you what you see is a detour, 
which you see as, as, as being completely, maybe, maybe you're not even a detour in life. Maybe you feel like your, your life is like, like sprinting the opposite direction of where you thought it would go, right? We have married couples that are sitting here today that are watching out on the patio or online. Maybe your marriage feels like it's sprinting the opposite direction of what your hopes and dreams were when you said, I do. I'm a married man. I have had those, those same thoughts. The good news is that Jesus is standing with us just like he did with Paul. And you're like, well, Tim, yeah, okay. That's Paul in the Bible, and he had Jesus. If I'm believing what you're saying, Paul was standing there uh, with Jesus physically. Yeah, if I had Jesus physically you know, standing there telling me these things, maybe I might be, you know, encouraged and all of those types of things. You do. You do have Jesus literally standing right here. The very word of God is living and it's active. It's like a two-edged sword. And if you'll allow it, it will cut you to the very core of who you are and speak truth to your life. Jesus, I mean, imagine, imagine what had to happen for you to be sitting in this room here today. Who had to marry who to have a baby here, to have this over here, to move over here, to get a job transfer there, all the way down through the generations to the point where you're sitting in a room or watching online, Hope Church 2022. All of that was pieced together so that you would be sitting here and you would hear the very words of Jesus say to you, take courage. I see you in your gap. I'm with you in your gap, and I have purpose in your gap. We had uh, not too long ago, um, in, the, in this last year, um, our own Joe Gruber, who's up in Portland, All City Church, planted up there. He was speaking here, and he said one statement. I don't often hear statements when people teach and preach that I remember, um, but this one I do, and he said, he said, Jesus is not the light at the end of the tunnel for you. Jesus is the light in the tunnel with you. And this is the truth. God is with us in the gap. So, as the story goes, there's a plot to kill um, Paul as he's transferred to, to Rome, he, there's, there's a plot to kill him, and so they whisk him away, and they take him over to another leader, another Roman leader, who is Governor Felix, and Paul is going to get the chance to be able to tell his story to Felix. And so Felix eventually sort of uh, is phased out, and the next leader comes in, and his name is Festus, and so now there's another Roman governor named Festus, and Paul is waiting for his turn to tell his story. In the waiting, Paul has been waiting now in prison for two years. Two years. So this is after Jesus has said, I'm with you in your gap. Two years later, it takes Paul 
he now has an opportunity to tell his story. And we're going to pick it up. We're going to pick it up right here in, uh, in Acts chapter 26. So Paul gets the opportunity to not just talk to the governor, Festus, but also the king of the region, Agrippa. So it's like governor, Festus, king Agrippa, and then Caesar. Right? So Paul now has two of the top three officials in his area, and he stands up in a place. Look at this place that Paul would be standing in right here. This is the Greek theater where Paul would have finally had a chance to deliver his story. Look at this place. Paul would have been right there, right there in the middle of it. You see there's sort of a, 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 an elevated area that would have been like a stage area. And this whole area right here would have been filled with people. The king, the governor, all of the people. They would have come, and this was entertainment for them. They would have come to hear Paul tell his story as entertainment. But when he tells his story finally, this is where he is standing. Isn't that amazing? Can you just picture it? Can you just picture it? So here's what happens now. Um, Acts 26 and verse 1, Agrippa says to Paul, you have permission, go ahead and speak. So Paul motioned with his hand and he began his defense. Finally, years in the making, lots of prison time, lots of hardship. Finally, King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusations of the Jews. And especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. The Jewish people all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child. From the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem, They've known me for a long time, and they can testify, if they're willing, that I conform to the strictest sect of our religion, living as a Pharisee. And now it is because of my hope in what God has promised our ancestors that I'm on trial today. This is the promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. King Agrippa, it is because of this hope that these Jews are accusing me. Don't you just love that Paul leads with hope? He leads with hope. He finally has a chance to tell his story, and he comes right out of the gate swinging. It's because of the hope of Jesus that I'm standing here today. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? I, too, was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that's just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished, and I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting these Christians that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus, with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun. Now, this is the first time Paul begins to give these details of his story. 
He's had years in prison to make sure he gets his story right. He's telling the whole thing. I saw a bright light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, in his language, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And so I asked, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. How many of you can remember the time that you placed your faith in Jesus? What is your Damascus Road experience? Do you remember? For Paul, it was dramatic. Maybe it wasn't dramatic for you. Maybe it was just someone sharing the love of Jesus with you casually over a cup of coffee. But whatever it was for you, you've had a time and a place where you saw Jesus in the same way that Paul is seeing Jesus. You're seeing Jesus for the first time. Now get up and stand on your feet, Jesus said. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant, and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them, in fact, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sin and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. This is the good news of Jesus. Paul now is sharing with the Colosseum, the, uh, the theater full of, of people, the good news of Jesus Christ. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven, first to those in Damascus, then Jerusalem, then Judea, then to all of the Gentiles. I preached that they should repent and turn to God, demonstrate their repentance by their deeds, and that is why some Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. Watch this. But God has helped me to this very day. God helped me in the gap, Paul said. God stood with me in the gap and encouraged me and reminded me of my purpose. God called me in the gap, Paul said. So I stand here now and I testify to small and great alike. I'm saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen. That the Messiah would suffer and as the first to rise from the dead would bring the message of light to his own people, the Jews, and to the Gentiles. Paul, this is the climax right here. Paul has just reached the climax of his story. And at this point, Festus interrupts Paul's defense and says, you're out of your mind, Paul. Now imagine Festus is sitting somewhere in those seats, right? He calls out, and all the people, I'm sure, could hear him say, You're out of your mind, Paul. Your great learning is driving you insane. This is how you know that the Spirit of God, the message of hope, the love of Jesus is beginning to get to Festus. He's feeling it. He's feeling it because now he's objecting, right? Now he's trying to divert Paul somewhere else. Paul says, I'm not insane, most excellent Festus. What I'm saying is true and reasonable. The king, Agrippa, is familiar with these things, and I can speak freely to him. 
I'm convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner. And then he talks to King Agrippa. He says, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Then Agrippa turns and he says to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul, I love this response, says, short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, maybe except for these chains. Here we are, and we just, we just experienced Paul stepping into his moment. His, his expectations, his hopes, and his dreams have now been partially fulfilled. He's been able to tell his story and tell it to an audience that he could have never imagined. Now, Paul has already appealed his case to Rome, and the appeal has been um, accepted. So Paul will go and speak his story to Caesar. But along the way, God gives him an opportunity to speak to thousands of people in one shot in a theater full that we just saw on the screen. God gave Paul purpose in his gap. It wasn't just rot away in a prison until you finally get your shot. God had a plan for him. Paul wrote books of the Bible in prison. Paul encouraged other believers while in prison. Paul was able to lead other people to Jesus while in prison. In prison, Paul was able to speak to thousands of people in one shot. What might God do with your gap? God is with us in the gap. He has a plan in your gap. He has a purpose in your gap. And God is reminding us here today that if we will look to Him, He will show us what He's doing while we're in this gap season. And so what is it for you? What, what, what type of, you know, we've, we've talked often, uh, uh, this last Friday we had uh, a, a sort of a, a mini memorial kind of thing for students and their families for a uh, middle school student you, who you prayed for last Sunday who passed away. We had that here in, on Friday. All of those people had no idea that that was about to happen and their reality right now is very different than what they expected this summer to be, right? What is it for you? You might be grieving the loss of a loved one. You might be grieving what you expected your life to be. You might be grieving the fact that you feel like you have to do something because it pays the bills. I think God would come alongside of all of us here today and say, I don't want you to look at it like that. I want you to look at everything you're experiencing as part of what I am doing. In fact, here's what Paul would say in another letter of his to the church of Ephesus. You'll see it up here on the screen. In Ephesians 2.10, Paul says this, For we are God's handiwork, masterpiece, some versions say. You're God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So let me ask you this. Is your gap, whatever that is, is, is that, did God not know about that? 
Did, did God, was, was God like, I had, I had perfect, I had works, specific things for you to do in this life, and oh crap, that happened? Well, I'm going to toss all those things, I guess, and I'll start over. I'll give you new things. No. God sees the beginning from the end. He knew the gap you would be in. He knew it. He knew the financial loss. He knew the person who would pass away. He knew the marriage that would not last. He knew, he knew, he knew, he knew. And he had specific things set aside for you to experience and to do and to be about, even in light of those things. I don't know about you, but that should give us great hope today. God isn't trying to make a miracle of your mess. I know that's like a saying that I hear pastors, you know, talk about all the time. God's making a miracle of your mess. That is true. But God knew and he wouldn't look at it like a mess. God would look at it like I'm weaving my plan throughout the course of your life. I know every turn it's going to take. And I've got it all planned out. I've got a pathway for you. And I want you to look to me. We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find a home. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.